Welcome to the Venue Solutions Podcast, where we talk about everything data center, information technology, cybersecurity, and more. I'm William, Venue's data center sales engineer and one of your hosts. Hi, I'm Eric Malatesta, Venue Data Center Infrastructure Manager and also one of your hosts. And I'm Michael Faisley, Venue's Network Infrastructure Manager and Cybersecurity Specialist, and I'm also one of your hosts. This is Venue Podcast number 71 for June 8th, 2021. In this podcast, we discuss yet another recent ransomware event, the JBS Meatpacking Facility. We also discuss the passwordless authentication future, a new security measure that's gaining traction in the IT industry. Enjoy. And welcome to another venue podcast. Hey, guys. How's it going today? Hey, pretty good. Hey, well, good morning. Fantastic. Good morning, Michael. How's it going? Going well. Going well. Good. Well, we had really a really interesting and fun podcast. Uh, the last one we did on Office 365, I think we've had a lot of people enjoy that one. So we want to get another podcast out today. This will be podcast number 71. And uh, we kind of wanted to start off with saying it's it's just us here today, guys. It's to, we don't have a special guest. We don't have anyone sitting in in the virtual or physical studio. It's just us, us guys here over the interwebs. You don't have those yeah. great voices of Quran and Marco Bear, and it's just the I, three of us. Yeah, I was going to say I, I really want to have Mark back for a future podcast because he was such a natural, um, you know, on on the last podcast. Definitely want to have him back. Oh, definitely, absolutely, definitely. Mark did a great job. So did so did Quran. So, uh, we'll we'll we do we'll be having more guests on um, in the near future. We, we'll have a our next podcast. We'll have another. Um, venue employee uh on the podcast i don't want to give away any uh what content's coming up next but we'll have another venue employee on the next one sure sure but anyhow uh let's talk about you know last last time we did our podcast we had like kind of a cybersecurity minute um you know we, we we try and not make all the podcasts about cybersecurity right you know we try and not to you know, be all, be all, you know, gloom and doom about cybersecurity and things like this. But however, apparently cybersecurity is a big deal. However, <laughs> you just can't get away from it. You know, you know, it's like doggone it. Um, so let's talk about the latest, uh, cybersecurity event that actually, uh, looked like it hit earlier this month. Well, was it earlier this month or late last month? I think it was, I think it was right, late last month. Right around the, I guess the 31st or around the 1st. Um, let's just say soon enough, right? Uh, we had a meatpacking facility in Minnesota succumb to a ransomware attack that actually shut down um, production of poultry and, 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 uh, and pork. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is crazy, and it, what's funny is, you know, I'm, I'm getting dressed in the morning, you know, I, I turn on the news just as I'm getting dressed, turn on the news and watch what's going on, and bingo, you know, another security ransomware uh, cybersecurity event that has really um, made the, the news, right? And it, it's making the news now because these, these, these hackers are actually attacking more and more vital um you know, more and more vital supply chain stuff, right? One day it's, you know, a colonial pipeline and it's dealing, it's messing up our oil delivery. And now we've got uh, the food, the food, food, the food chain, I guess. Um, I think that's the point, Will. I think that's the point of these hackers, right? That's, that's their goal is to disrupt the norm. 
Exactly. Exactly. So, um, and we'll put the article in the show notes uh, from the New York Times where it discusses, you know, kind of when, where, how. And as I was reading this, I was looking at, okay, let's find out what was the, you know, what was the the root cause. And uh, I don't think that's actually been um, been uh, released yet. It's just it, someone was cited as it being IT issues. <laughs> so, yeah, what typically is- it it ends up taking a while for you know a root cause to come out um they're they're doing investigations internally and you know it it it's very rare that um if ever that it would come out you know within a week after the attack it usually takes a while gotcha gotcha so um yeah but you know just interesting that we're in the news again about um cybersecurity now you say that but at least there's some good news that came out of it right will yeah absolutely so uh also about I guess a week ago, the U.S. government announced that uh, they were able to track down the um, some of, and recover some of the Bitcoin assets that were uh, involved with the Colonial Pipeline event. So yeah. that is really good. So right, so our ability to uh, you know maybe recover at least from from people who are, have paid ransom uh, may be able to get that back. And a lot of these. Ransomware hackers actually use Bitcoin as the method that they would like to get paid off, mainly because it's harder to trace. It's harder to, uh, you know, to, to, to get that money back, right? Because it's, it's, it's just it's, harder to trace to a human being. It's more anonymous, yes, and it's harder to trace to a human being, but uh, we were able to recover some of those assets. So that's, that's actually good news. I think that's great news. I think that shows that the government's taking these uh, these uh, attacks and these these intrusions seriously, even though they're not directly related to national security. Yep, yep. So with that, you know, and and we always look trying to look for new topics, and uh, you know what we what we think our listeners would, would want to hear and, and want to know more about. And one of the things that we were going to, we're going to talk about on this podcast is something that actually is very exciting. And it's kind of something looking toward the future of passwords, or let me rephrase that the lack of passwords moving forward. What? <laughs> the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow. I'm sorry. I had to get that in there. A little Monty Python and every podcast is a good thing. So it's a great example of a password, right? I mean, you ask them a question, expects a response. If the response is correct, you get entry. If the response is incorrect, there is no entry. Exactly. Yeah. So the the title for this podcast, when we when we post it, is actually going to be specifically on the on the topic of passwordless authentication systems. Sure. Okay. I think it would. I think it would bear wait to kind of review what it, you know what's the history of passwords exactly exactly so you know when we start looking at this you know how long you know when you ask a person you know how long have you been using passwords it's kind of a you, you, the answers that you get are all over the place right so when we were preparing for the podcast we were like look let's let's actually go back to the beginning and where did passwords actually first come up, right? When did we first start using passwords? And it was actually back in the early 60s at, at MIT and Bell Labs where uh, multi-user interfaces were first developed, right? So you had Unix uh, and, and users would log in to a single computer but would have multiple sessions, right? And each of these people would have an ID, an ID you know, usually like first name dot last name, 
or 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 whatever, and then a password that they would create that they could type in using their hands and fingers and type the keys and they would get in right and it was a unique password for the most part to each user um but over time you know and as we move forward to the to the you know on up to today uh those passwords are we're finding are are more and more susceptible to to hacking yeah and you know you know this i mean we all have hundreds of passwords right so every time you go to a website and you sign up for you know getting a shipment they're going to ask you for a user id and password and, and many times it's your email address and many people use their email address, you know, at yahoo.com, Hotmail, Google, and then they're using a password, right? And that password is almost always the same between all of these systems, right? So if you think yeah. about your Sears account and your, you know, your your Nordstrom account and your your Bass Pro and all those different things that you sign up for that you're, you have to type in some kind of password there, right? So you're typically using your email address and then you're using a password and almost all people that we, you know, if you, I talk to my, my dad, I talk to my daughter, I talk to somebody, they're going to say, yeah, I, I use the same password across all these so I don't have to remember them. And that's very common, right? Passwords have been around forever. And if you think about well, you're talking about 1961 or 62 or 63 when they were coming up with the Unix systems, you know, to go back even farther, right? Go back all the way to the Egyptians where they were creating keys, right? What was a key? What was a password, right? Why, without this device, I can't get into the next room, right? Oh. So – so passwords have been around forever, and some kind of authentication process has been around for for years and years and years. And 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 we as human beings have been uh, burdened with the fact that now on the internet is prevalent because we're being asked to use a, a, a new set of identification for everywhere we go, right? And so. Yeah. You know, so how do we track that and how do we keep them secure and unique and all those kind of things, right? I think that's something that's now becoming uh, basic, right? So a lot of people might use some kind of password management system and then they, they might be sharing it with just themselves or just the, them and their wives or maybe they have a password management system for home, but they have a separate password management system for work. And so so even that's becoming cumbersome, right? So, I mean, those are great technologies and those are great inventions and ways of, of increasing security. But I think the world is starting to move past that. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and I mean, even a precursor to password managers was people having a password notebook, right? It's like, all right, I'm not going to keep the same password across all of my systems. So um, I'm, you know, going to be a good user and, and, you know, uh, make different credentials uh, for all my systems. And, and they put it in a notebook, but then it was like, well, somebody gets a hold of your notebook then then, then you could, you know, get in trouble. Yep. Uh, so, and the passwords anyway. and the passwords that you would scribble down in your notebook probably aren't sixty-four characters with a combination of <laughs> uppercase, lowercase, and special characters, right? It's like pencil, right, yeah. cat, dog. You know, there 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 are things that you're easy to remember or easy or easy to type in because you look at what is your input device, right? Mm-hmm. It's these ten fingers, right? Um, so you want something you can easily type and that you don't have to spend look, you know two or three minutes looking down at a paper to go, okay, is that an uppercase B or a lowercase B? So, um, yeah. And then so- you have this this evolution, right? The, the 
password, you know, password notebook and then password managers and password managers have even evolved over time, right? To be more than just a database for passwords, but they'll, you know, you have the option to automatically generate passwords. And, you know, I, I actually wrote a, um, uh, a blog in our cyber corner on, on the venue website on password managers, um, where, you know, I go into some detail about the, um, the other features that, you know, have, have come out recently with uh, password managers, um, you know, so continuing to evolve to try to make authentication more secure, you know, what's, what's after that? It's, it's multi-factor authentication, yep. right? Well, that's, that, that's kind of the next piece where, all right, your ID and your password match, let's do some type of additional, um, factor of authentication, right? Whether that's some SMS code, um, you know, something through email, um, you know, some some push notification to uh, a device, a, a key fob, whatever it may be. Um, yep. So and, and a lot of constant people, evolution. Right. So if, if, if you're asked, you know, what is today's technology that people are using, right? Or what now is becoming, what is becoming and is really now commonplace is for everyone to have some type of 2FA, two-factor authentication type, right? And in fact, I think Google recently has announced that they're going to actually, and I'm, I'm not 100% sure on this, but I think Google is actually going to start forcing people who log into things like Gmail and the Google Suite actually to use two-factor authentication, right? Through either SMS at it, it, the minimum, but more preferably with um, some type of uh, 2FA device like Google Authenticator. Sure, sure. I mean, yeah. any kind of multi-form uh, authentication, 2FA, MFA, they call it, right? Uh, secures them as well, right? So, so the more secure their database is from any one individual, the more secure the rest of their environment is. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So right now, you know, definitely the, the, the old way of doing things was writing it, your passwords in a notebook. You know, uh, I mean, a lot of us still use password management systems. Hopefully we're doing things like, you know, having the software generate unique passwords is like 64 characters and you have a unique password per each system, right? Which limits your, your attack vector, right? From someone trying to, to, to get you. Um, and then a lot of these uh, tools, these password managers like 1Password or LastPath actually have uh, two-factor authentication mechanisms built in, right? So it makes it even easier, right? But the idea is, you know, and, and that's as we start leading into this, 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 this topic, passwords are a pain in the, um, in the USB port, right, to, to manage, right? And it's also, inevitably susceptible to some type of hacking that can can circumvent security measures. So what's the next thing, right? What is the future? And a lot of uh, industry pundits, and I think, Michael, you, you'll, you'll, from the research you've done and being living in, in the cybersecurity world, has said it's we don't need passwords anymore, right? Passwords are so, you know, 2016, <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean there's there's still a use for them today, but like you said, the um 
the trend is is going to move towards using passwordless technology and and a lot of the the big players in in technology are, are starting to embrace that um, Microsoft Azure's is doing it um, there's a number of other organizations that are starting to uh, look at passwordless and a lot of the the vendors that are in the the identity access management space are are starting to look at okay well I have something for multi-factor authentication. I have something for this. I have that, something for this. Their new tech uh, that they're releasing is is around passwordless technology. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I think one of the things here is, is there is some password technology, pa- sorry, passwordless technology that are exists today. Um, yeah, I, I agree, Michael. I think it. people don't even, I, think, I only think people realize they're using passwordless technology, right? Yeah. So, uh, a, and I'll use my phone as my most simple example, right? So when I hold up my phone to my face, my phone will log in, right? And then when it logs in and I go to my my uh, email or to my uh, or, or to my bank account or something like that, it's going to ask to see my face again, right? And then I can have my accounts that are within my bank and my email and whatnot tied to that face and so when I just show my face I'm in I don't type anything I don't have to put my user ID and password in and all that right it just goes straight in and that is a perfect example of passwordless technology and we all have it right now almost on any kind of phone you're using that was built after 2018 or 2016 something like that so we all have that technology right there in our hands and a lot of us are using it because we thought, oh, that's kind of cool. I don't have to type my password anymore, but it's really, truly, it's, it's actually passwordless. Right. And normally what happens uh, back in the day when you're signing up for a service or a, an application, during the sign-up process, it asks you for what? It asks you for an email address, right, or user right. ID. In most cases, in most modern websites, it's no longer, um, well, I would say a lot of modern websites, not everybody, um, it, it's you don't use just an ID. Your ID is actually your email address, right? So if you say, oh, well, I forgot my password, they'll send you a reset token through your email address, which they're, you know, anticipating you have access to. So there's some security built into that inherently. But when you're signing up, you'll sign up with an ID, you know, an ID or, or email address, but then you'll have to enter a password. Uh, what we're finding that new organizations or organizations adopting uh, passwordless technology is you really aren't prompted for a pa- to put in your password anymore. So you don't have to think about, oh, gee, uh, how, you know, how many characters do I need, uppercase, lowercase? And it was usually a pain to put that in, right, to get the right combination of security um, requirements. Now it's really you're, you're enrolling in the website using some type of device, and that could be your phone. That could be a USB key. That could be maybe your Apple Watch or some device like an Apple Watch or even maybe your thumbprint. So once yeah. you're enrolled uh, and, and the system knows, okay, I know who you are and I know some type of um, much more robust and something that you actually have ownership of, right? Something that's in your pocket or something that maybe is um, maybe even a little bit more personal right like a usb key or your fingerprint and then once that's done when you go back to that site you just 
point your phone at your face or swipe your fingerprint, and that gives you access to the system. Well, and I think that's a point that you're making without saying it, which is you know there's multiple ways of doing this passwordless technology. Sometimes it's something that you have, be that the fob, be that your phone, be that something, or maybe it's more like something that you are. You're a fingerprint. You're an eye. You're an eye imprint. You're a um, your heat example, I don't know all the different options. You're maybe a face image, something, right? So those are something that you are, right? And so that is kind of where these technologies are going. You're getting the options. So so let's just say you're going to sign up for Nordstrom. You're going to buy something for your significant other, and um, and you have to create an account, right? So you create the account. In the future, instead of asking for a password, they're going to ask you, how do you want to authenticate? And you're going to say, you know, my fob, my phone, my eye, my my face, my thumbprint, something, right? And so then no longer is there any kind of association with a password. It's all an association with a a passwordless uh, image or or, or, password. token as we call it that will be passed to the system and, and verified and passed back so so i think yeah so the, the technologies are moving fast and, and and when you say the word thumbprint it reminds me of of other examples of password technology that we we use and some of us use for instance my laptop i don't have to when i pop up my laptop i can put my thumbprint on my uh on my laptop and it unlocks that's right, cool. because yeah. I have my Active Directory user ID and password synchronized to my thumbprint, right? So it knows when I put my thumbprint in what Active Directory I want to log into and who I am and then sends that through to the laptop to unlock it and then I'm in, right? Yep. So this is and people have been doing that that technology's been around I don't know, at least 10 years. Yep. But I think the first time I got a thumbprint was at least 10 years ago. But it's actually what's nice is it's getting cheaper and it's getting yeah. more it's getting more of a requirement to to be you know back in the day when we had thumbprints it was more of a convenience it wasn't necessarily for security yeah. although it was but nowadays <laughs> it's becoming you know much more important to be secure than it is convenient, right? Well, so it's both. So so, so it is both. <laughs> Luckily, they go hand in hand. Exactly, exactly. I was actually looking at um, some of the new even thumb drives that are out, and there's a, there's actually a standard called the FIDO2 standard, which I think gives um, it's kind of a framework for companies to build things like hardware keys to to have um, you know security based on biometrics, and it's actually a um, a USB key that you actually hold and you put in your, you put in your, when you want to log into your laptop or website, you stick the USB key in to your laptop or desktop and, um, you know, it authenticates there, but it also has a thumbprint reader on the USB key. So if even someone stole your USB key, you still have to have your thumbprint. And I think that's a really cool technology, right? Where it's not just, okay, I have a, you know, USB key with all my, my passwords. You actually have that, um, additional um validation by actually scanning your thumbprint yeah those those are really cool um really the only issue with them right now is is how widely they are adopted and and that's that's a lot of the problems with passwordless technology today there's some instances where you could implement it um but but there are a lot that you can't right so you know like when we were talking about uh you know 2fa or multi-factor authentication earlier you know, that's that's something that is almost commonplace today. And and a lot of organizations are now requiring it. It's not just an option that you can do, but but it's actually required. Um, 
passwordless, you know, it's, it's not there yet. Um, there are organizations that are, that are starting to uh, come up with ways for you to be able to use it. But I mean, you know, I may be wrong on this, but you know, in, in the next five years, I would, I would definitely see it as, as being way more prevalent, um, and, and way more widely adopted and, uh, Maybe a little bit long, but I would I would say ten years certainly uh, very commonplace and and yeah. something that almost everybody's going to be using. Well, sure, I, I, I would I would agree with you hundred percent, Michael. Because if you look at it back in the day, I mean even before you were working with us, you know we we used to use RSA fobs, right? So how would I log into my Citrix <laughs> platform or into the VPN? Um, and, and, and you'd carry around this little fob that I had attached to my key ring, right? Because what do I always have on me is my keys. I have to get in and out of my car, to get in and out of my house. So I always have my keys with me, right? So I had a little fob that had a number coming to me every minute that was generated randomly on the internet and associated with me. And then when I would log into something, it would say, hey, if you're truly Eric Malatesta, you can prove it by putting this little number in here. And so that was 10, 12 years ago. Right. Well, nowadays, what that a perfect example of, the, of something similar to that is what they're doing with text messaging, text not being so super secure, by the way. But at least that's a, a, a an example of the same kind of technology. They send you a note, a note on your phone to your to your phone at, uh, number that has a number on it that's unique, and you have to type it in with a certain within a certain amount of time. If it's not typed in with that certain amount of time, it expires, and then you can no longer be who you say you are. All right. So that's kind of where those those technology have come and they were yeah. 10 years ago and they're very common now. So if, if that's a trend then, and we know trends get faster and faster and faster, I would imagine that passwordless would be very common in five years. I really yeah. think, I really think that it's going to happen in less than five years. I, I think with the amount of ransomware events that just keep happening over and over again and actually impacting not just, oh, you know, my, my email got hacked or my Facebook account got hacked and someone sent a bunch of friend requests or something like that. It's actually affecting day-to-day life, right? It's affecting our banking. It's affecting how we buy food. It's affecting how we fill up our, gar- our, our, our vehicles with, with fuel, whether it's gas or electric. It's getting to where it's just it's something has to be done, and I think those types of events will drive – early adoption to things like biometrics and, and passwordless technology, right? This is just the next step. I mean, I think one day, you know, we, we won't have key fobs. We won't have devices. We just, you know, it'll be something like, hey, you know, I don't know. Spit, Read my DNA strand. Spit on your screen here, right? And uh, Or like, oh, you know, take my thumb and lick my finger and like put it on a scanner. And it scans your DNA sequence, right? And it says, okay, you absolutely are, you know, this person. You know, you are William Sellers. And, yeah, um, and you know, I, I think you're kind of joking a little bit about the spitting part, but I mean, uh, what, what, but your point is actually valid, right? So it's going to be somehow tied to our, who we are, yep. right? And so that who we are, the <laughs> most unique thing of who we are is our DNA strand, right? Yep. Yeah. That is something that cannot be duplicated. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's actually, you know, it's, it's, it's within our vision, right? I mean, I was, I was actually watching a podcast or listening to a podcast where they were actually talking about that and, you know, how much compute power is required to do this, right? To actually look at a DNA sequence. And right now that the compute power isn't there and, and people are working on things like quantum computing, right? 
which is specific to a type of workload versus like running Excel and Word and things. But they're saying that we're, we're getting closer to the fact where we can do this type of deep inspection of, of uh, information to where these things are actually becoming a reality, you know, and the ultimate password, I guess, would be your DNA, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, things like that are, are, are certainly cool to talk about and, and don't want to go way out on a tangent here. But one thing to, I guess, be concerned about with that is, is privacy, right? Yeah. You know, when, when you're talking about passwordless technology, where it's something you hold, okay, I, I have a key fob, I have, you know, some type of mobile app where there's a, there's a push notification that I accept as I walk through and that's my password list. You're not really as at risk there because it's not anything that's you, right? Remember, it's we're, we're talking about something that you are versus something that you have. And when it becomes something that you are, be it facial recognition, iris scanning, fingerprint, DNA, wh- whatever it may be, that gets into a little bit more of an uncomfortable space for people. So for organizations going in the future, it's going to be imperative that if they move towards biometric passwordless technology that they have the utmost security in place to protect that that data, right? Because yeah. ultimately it has to be stored somewhere, right? If if I'm scanning Eric's face, I need to compare that with, you know, some some gold image, right? To make sure that that's Eric. And if that stuff does get out, you know, there's there's certainly a lot of implications yeah. there. Or 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 if it's something that can be stored on the local client, right? So it's the authentication sure. has happened on the local device or devices, right? So it's not actually going out to it. Because I really don't know if I want someone having my DNA, <laughs> right? Uh, I did yeah. not do, I never did 23andMe, which I was really tempted to do years ago. I was like, oh, I want to know about my DNA and everything. And I was like, do I really want to do this? And I was like, mm, I was on the fence and I said, nah, I'm just not going to do it. It's expensive. And maybe that was the reason why I didn't want to do it. But I was like, maybe I shouldn't put my DNA anywhere. <laughs> I don't want to give away my password this, this soon. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. I mean, I think that's a good example uh, of, uh, of security and privacy that you, you need to at least be aware of. Right. So, uh, no, you know, we're, we're still new in this. You know, we don't know where it's going 100% yet, but we do know that that's going to probably be the, be the future, right? And you saw it back when you, I mean, uh, I'm, a, I'm a nerd. I grew up watching Star Trek and then Star Trek Next Generation, and that was the, that's what they would do. They would scan somebody and they would say, yes, this person is who they are, and, and maybe that person had, had to do a voice recognition with the scan and say, you know, Picard, open up my, you know, battle station or whatever it was at the time, right? Yeah, but yeah, so that, so those things are very, you know, the the idea of these things have been around, but the, the how do you implement that? What's the cost of implementing that? Um, those are all the things that that we're trying to figure out today, uh, though they exist today. So I think CTOs around the 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 world that are being held uh, accountable to their CEO, you know, are saying, hey, I I gotta have this technology because I don't want the risk of being uh, uh, attacked or or infiltrated because of something weak. Yep. And yeah. passwords traditionally are weak. Yep. Yeah. Well, it's it's weak. They're weak. it's weak because whatever mechanism that you're putting it in usually is inconvenient, and people don't want to be inconvenienced. 
But uh, I, I actually told someone, I was actually speaking with someone about this not too long ago, and they were saying, yeah, you know, we, we, we want to implement 2FA, but, you know, I don't want to have to worry about my, my, my end users complaining about the more work they have to do and things like this. And I said, well, you know, do you complain when you put on your seatbelt in your car? No, <laughs> you know, it's like, why? Well, it protects me from death, right? You know, it gives me a better chance of survival in a car wreck. And I said, well, it's the same thing with IT, right? With, with security. It, it may be a little bit more con- inconvenient, but your, your payoff is a lot more when you, your, your, your security, you know, um, your security posture jumps up by an order of magnitude, right? So, yes, we, I mean, all these things are just becoming more and more prevalent that we, that we move to these things because like, like I said, I mean, the CTO has a responsibility for technology and, and, and Mm. underneath that responsibility of technology is the security of that technology, right? So, uh, they're going to always want to push for the, the best technology. And so as, as we said earlier, the hacking is becoming more and more prevalent in our world. For whatever reasons, people – so you think about something. As we mentioned earlier in this meeting, if I'm using the same email ID and password for many of my sites, if I hack one system, I'm immediately able to go around the world to other systems and gain access at a, at a minimal level to which, therefore, I can start hacking against those systems, right? So if, if, if I log in as Eric Malatesta at email.com and my password is 12345 and they find out this password and, I, and they start using it across the Internet on other systems, it, all of the systems are less secure because of that, right? So, so this is becoming so important, and this is why they're hacking any system they can, right? They, they, any access to anything is access to something else in the future. So I think all CTOs will be pushing for this password technology as we go, and, and I think the, the economics of it will also drive the cost down some, yeah, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. Today, is not, today is not too economically – well, it's economically challenging today, but, but, but tomorrow it probably won't be because it's going to be forced to, have, to have, be very competitive. Yeah. yeah, and this is and well, this is and this is where you're talking about things like biometrics and that passwordless future, right? Yeah, I mean, I'd hate for someone like you were saying early to to have my my DNA, but just as equally, I'd hate for them to to shoot me and walk up to put my thumb on the uh, reader and read it. <laughs> it's still readable, <laughs> right? My thumb, I'm, maybe I'm dead, but the thumb is readable, right? So, oh, so yeah. Those yeah, are all the concerns. It, it's really important that you mention that for organizations to push for this because it's it's one of those things that's a two-way street, right? Uh, vendors may be looking at, you know, password lists and, and um, you know, making that a part of their system, but that may be a roadmap item that's that's, you know, two, three years down the road, right? That they're not really looking at doing just yet. But the more that consumers push for things like that, the more that's going to push vendors to, to release it sooner. Right. And earlier you were talking about the, the tech is going to be here in in five years and and very commonplace in five years on the flip side. If consumers are slow to adopt it, eh, it doesn't really matter if the tech is there or not. Right. Um, so again, it's, it, it is a two way street. It's, it's not only important for vendors to try to push things out there, but it's important for the consumers to 
voice that they want it and to start consuming it once it's there. So I want an authentication method by I take this headpiece and I put it on my head when I sit down at my laptop at work and it reads my brainwave patterns that are uniquely, you know, uniquely will and then lets me onto the system. <laughs> maybe not that, maybe not that far. There's going to be a lot of dead silence there. <laughs> maybe not that, maybe not, maybe not yet, but eventually it's, it's getting there. It is funny that you mentioned that because some passwordless technology today um, allow you to, um, you know, <laughs> no, log famously. into your, no, uh, allow you to log into your laptop by, by proximity based, right? So yeah. you, you carry something with you, be it your phone or some key fob. And when you get close enough to your laptop, it unlocks it just like you were to sit down and, and hit control, delete and, and type in your password. Now I want, well, I want a, I want a big tinfoil hat that goes on my head. That's what I want. But I mean, Michael, that's a great point because, and we're using that technology today, even with our cars, yep. right? So how many times can we walk up to our car and my car unlocks because I'm within range of it. I've got my key and, and it opens up, right? Yeah. Um, it's not necessarily passwordless because anyone could take my key and then go unlock my car, you know, but it's, 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 it's the same idea. It's the idea that I don't have to do anything to get this car opened and started, right? It's making it's making life convenient for us, right? Yeah. So, I mean, and how, how inconvenient is it to pull the key out of your pocket and stick it in a hole and turn it to the right where it unlocks? And yep. I mean, you know, we never thought of anything about that for years, but now we have the ability to do it without all that, and, and life has become easier. Because yep. um, I'm not going to lie. I love having my key in my pocket. I just get in my car, push the button. Right. Uh, I don't like having a key. I like to just walk up to my car and have like my phone or something like my, even yeah. even like with my Mac right on my Macintosh side of the things. Uh, I have an Apple watch. And whenever I get close to my my Mac, it unlocks the Mac through my Apple watch. Right now, my Apple watch has authentication. Right. I have to type in a, whenever I put my watch on, it asks me for a code. I have to type in the right code. It logs in. And then I think it also has to be connected to my phone. So there's, you know, there's another example of kind of biometric and, and ease of use without having to necessarily have a password. Absolutely, yeah. Right. So I, I think I think we're seeing these technologies out there, and I think we're we're use, we're utilizing these technologies out there. We just don't even realize we're utilizing them yet. What's what we're not utilizing them for is all of these systems that we access on the internet, right? And 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 that could be our own laptop, it could be our work, our work related information it could be our, our our email for work it could be uh, our file systems for work and, and our excel spreadsheets and all those things that we consume we're not quite there using i mean the technology might be there but we're not as users doing that yet but we are consuming it in other forms yep. and so so the more we use these in these other forms the more as a consumer I'm going to push for it to get it in my office. I'm going to be pushing, you know, my manager to say, Hey, I want to not have to sit down on my laptop and type anything. I want to sit down. I want to look at my screen and I'm in and I'm reading my email and, and I'm going good. So see, I think this is great. I think we've done well. See what I think we need to do is we just need to change our passwords to the word incorrect. That way, when you forget and type in the wrong password, it says your password is incorrect. That's cute, Will. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was it was there. I had to use it. Anyway, guys, so the moral of the story is uh, at the minimum, everyone, please start, you know, adopting 2FA, some type of two-factor authentication, whether if it's SMS codes, whether if it's, you know, maybe go a little bit 
above and beyond and go do something like an authentication app, uh, Microsoft Authenticator, Google Authenticator. If you're using a specific device like a Fortinet, uh, FortiTokens, there's so many devices out there and, and ways to further secure your password and authentication into systems than, than just, you know, ID and password, right? And, uh, and, and keep then, an eye out going forward for passwordless adoption, right? Because it's, like we said, there are vendors that already have it today, um, and it it's going to continue to be adopted more rapidly. So, absolutely, and, and I think that's a great point. And I would say this to add on to keep your eye open to it, lean toward that. So, if I'm going to go to a, a company and consume their services, maybe I say, "Hey, I don't want to consume this service from this client because they don't have password list, but this vin- this vendor competitor of them does." So maybe it's a closed store. One does, one doesn't. I should go. I should, as a consumer, say, "Hey, I want to go to this, uh, the one that's more secure," and that might force the world as well to say, "Hey, all my competitors are getting more clients because they're doing passwordless," and then they're, they're yep. going to be forced to do it as well. Yep. yep. So I, I definitely want to mention um, Michael's. Michael, I think has is is it posted yet, Michael? Your your blog article on the Cyber Corner about password technology, or is that something that's coming? Not up? yet. That's that's the next one that's coming. Ah, so we get a little a little sneak preview sneak of. Yes. The next blog article that you wrote, and we have our, our venue, um, Cyber Corner. We'll, I'll have the links in the show notes that you can go to, and we actually, you're working on an article about this, uh, yep. about the general technology and then how venue may be adopting some of this new stuff into our, into our, into our services. Correct. So, all right, guys. Well, that's our moral for the morals of the story today. Um, anything you want to close up with before we, before we wrap it up? No, yeah. I mean, I think this has been a great conversation and, and it's hopefully it's opening people's minds to the fact that passwordless is out there and it's coming fast. All right. Well, everyone, thanks for listening to this, this podcast. Um, as always, we, you can be, we can be found on the Apple iTunes store, uh, tune in radio, Stitcher radio, Spotify is coming soon. Uh, and if you would like to interact with us, uh, you can always email us at podcast at venue.com but also if you go to the venue webpage and go to the podcast section you can go to www.venue.com slash podcast uh there's actually a button on the page there to actually interact with us so you don't have to remember an you know an email address just click on the link and there'll be a form that you can fill out to to interact with um michael Eric and myself, and we love to hear feedback. We'd love to hear maybe you want us to talk about a certain topic or maybe even be on our podcast. Uh, that's something we can definitely, definitely do. So be on the lookout for that. And uh, oh, also be on the lookout for another podcast that will be coming up next week um, with one of our uh, special guests uh, who is a venue employee. Awesome. I appreciate it, Will. All right, everyone. Have a great day, and we'll see you next time. Take care. Take care. Bye.